What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA podcast. I am your host. My name is John, and welcome back to episode 106, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC fight night headlined by Davison Figueredo versus Joseph Benavidez going down this Saturday, July 18, 2020, from Fight Island, Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. This card will start at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and feature 12 fights across ESPN Plus and the ESPN TV channel. This is, of course, the third Martian MMA podcast within about eight days' time. So thank you for everyone who has been tuning in to these podcasts. we got a busy UFC week with three cards in one week. We are going to be breaking down all 12 fights' betting lines here shortly. But on a quick betting note, I want to say that I track all of my official bets on betmma.tips. It's the premier platform for tracking MMA plays. And in the year 2020 alone, I am up over 40 units on track bets. So it's been a great 2020. have been doing good with the fight predictions, doing great with the bets. And I'm giving out a lot of free bets on the podcast. So make sure you're paying attention and make sure you check out my official bets on the BetMMA Tips page. It can be found on my Twitter my YouTube description, or on the Bet MMA Tips website. My name on there is Martian MMA. So with that being said, we're going to get into these 12 fights taking place from Abu Dhabi this Saturday. It's tomorrow, about 24 hours till the first fight starts. All fighters did make weight, so we got 12 official matchups going down in less than 24 hours. We're going to start things off in the heavyweight division. We have Sergey Spivak taking on Carlos Philippe. The opening betting line for this fight was Philippe minus 132, Spivak plus 110. Right now, the line has flipped. We are now seeing Spivak minus 175 to Philippe plus 155. So congratulations to anybody who got in on Spivak at plus money. That was a great bet. I actually bet him at minus 134, and he's all the way down to minus 175 now. So it goes without saying that I am favoring Sergey Spivak in this fight. It is Carlos Philippe's UFC debut, and he only has two available fights online, and in one of them was from about five years ago. He had a very low-level opponent. He was throwing sloppy arm punches without much power and still managed to get cage pushed. Just looked extremely sloppy in all aspects of MMA. He stuffed a few takedowns in round three versus a guest out Maya, but I do not take much from that at all. And it just seems like he has poor technique. He doesn't look in good physical shape. And the biggest red flag of all is he has not fought pro MMA since May of 2017. So he's coming in here uh, off of over three years off. I really don't understand how the UFC even found this guy, but getting over to Spivak, he's shown some decent striking technique and he's really shown an ability to hit takedowns. He showed that in the Taito Yavasa fight. He attempted a lot of takedowns in that fight. Didn't have the greatest top control, but eventually did tire Taito Yavasa out and get the submission in round two. So Spivak shows that he can go from takedowns and I think that that would be a great game plan here. The way that Philippe got pushed against the cage and just how bad he looks in physical shape i think that spivak has a great chance of taking him down i think spivak is the better athlete he's the better well-rounded fighter and he certainly has beaten the better competition than philippe has so not too much analysis needs to be put in this one i favor spivak i bet him at minus 134 where it's at now minus 175 i'd probably say it's a pass at this line because it's heavyweight and a lot of uh, random high variant stuff could happen so i would pass where it's at now but i see no value on philippe i think he probably gets taken down here even if it stays in the feet i favor spivak to outstrike philippe and to win this fight either by knockout submission or decision so the pick is going to be sergey spivak to win by submission in round two the next fight takes place in the lightweight division we have armand sarukian taking on davi hamos 
The opening betting line for this one was Sarukian minus 230 to Hamos plus 195. Right now we are seeing Sarukian minus 195 to Hamos plus 180. So a little bit of action coming in on Davi Hamos here. And I understand why. I think that at the price where it's at now, I think there is a little bit of value on Davi Hamos here. But I wouldn't go too crazy betting on Hamos because ultimately I do think he loses this fight. But there are going to be a lot of times where if you are betting on Sarukian at minus 200, I think that it's going to look like a bad bet. You might even regret it at some points during this fight because I think Sarukian is a little bit of a liability on the feet. We have not seen that much striking from him. And in his last fight versus OAM, he ate some big left kicks, big left knees, and uh, seemed to have a decent chin. He took the shots well and was still uh, proceeding with his takedowns and shooting a, a lot of wrestling shots in that fight. But Sarukian definitely didn't look too comfortable on the feet. And Hamos is not the greatest striker either. He's very low volume, relies on power shots. But I think that he could keep Tarukian honest by launching a, a power punch or knee every now and then. And I don't think that Tarukian easily outstrikes Hamos at all. It's actually a very even 50-50 matchup on the feet. Now, Sarukian attempts a lot of takedowns and likely uh, shoots a lot versus Hamos, but Hamos is an ADCC champion. He's a tremendous jiu-jitsu player, and I don't think it's going to be really easy for uh, Tarukian to take Hamos down, and it's certainly not going to be easy for him to hold Hamos down. And you might be looking back at Hamos' last fight versus Islam Mahachev. It was not a good performance. He threw almost no strikes on the feet in rounds one and two, was outstruck easily. In round three, he got dropped by a knee at the start of the round and spent about four minutes on his back. But he was not taken down in that fight, and we really have not seen Hamos taken down at all in the UFC. So it's hard to imagine Sarukian has an easy time taking him down, especially considering he didn't have an easy time taking OAM down last fight. I think OAM was able to stuff about eight or nine takedowns from Sarukian and only got taken down cleanly about one or two times. He got cage pushed a lot for round one and controlled against the cage. Uh, OAM stuffed shots and outstruck and won round two versus Sarukian and then eventually Sarukian got a takedown and top control in, in round three to win a close decision. But that was not a really great performance from Sarukian at all. So I think people are jumping the gun a little bit on Sarukian. He has impressed me in his two, two UFC fights, but I still think he's a little too unproven to be betting here at minus 200, especially over a, a tough guy like Hamu. So I think it's a tough stylistic, stylistic matchup. He's going to be throwing power shots on the feet, keeping Sarukian Sarukian honest, he's going to have decent takedown defense and ability to get off of his back if Sarukian attempts the takedown. So it's dogger pass. I think uh, Hamos is worth about a half a unit, one unit bet at these plus 180, plus 175 odds, wherever it's been the past few days. I'm still going to lean with Sarukian by decision because I think he wins by cage pushing and by being the slightly more active and aggressive fighter. But it's definitely dogger pass and I do not knock a small bet on Hamos at all. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have Malcolm Gordon taking on Amir Albazi. The opening betting line for this one was Albazi minus 135 to Gordon plus 115. Right now we are seeing Albazi minus 165 to Gordon plus 155. So more action coming in on the favorite Albazi in this one. And I agree with that action. I think that Albazi is the right side to be on here. I think he's the much more well-rounded fighter, and he's definitely the better striker of the two. So I think that Gordon is going to need to get takedowns, need to get top position, and I don't think that he's reliable enough to do that. What I saw from Gordon on tape is that he gets rocked in the first 30 seconds of almost all of his fights. I think I counted four or five different fights where he was hurt by punches or knocked down or shooting bad shots right away in the first 30 seconds. So Gordon's defense on the field 
feet is not good. His chin looks a little weak, and he does not check leg kicks. Uh, one of his most recent losses against Wurdenberg was him just getting leg kicked over and over again, uh, outstruck, and eventually got TKO'd by leg kicks and punches. And he wins most of his fights by by taking his opponents down and out grappling them. But I have not been impressed with this top game. I think he's fought in some pretty low level competition, and I think Albazi has the better wins. And I think he's fought in the better competition. I've seen way better striking from Albazi, especially in prolonged striking exchanges. And I've seen in a a good grappling game from Albazi as well. He's more of an offensive grappler than a defensive. He actually likes to hit his own takedowns. He has a good top game of his own. He did make some bad grappling IQ moves in uh, round three of one of his fights. He went for a bad back take and ended on his back. And he even has a, a loss over Shorty Torres on his record. But I honestly thought he won that fight. I thought he won rounds one and two of that fight before making that dumb move in round three and getting stuck on his back. But Albazi has struggled getting off of his back in, in that Torres fight. So I think that you can't go too crazy on Albazi here because he might get taken down and might just not have the ability to get up. I might be underestimating Gordon's top game and maybe overestimating Albazi's uh, overall MMA game. So I think Gordon needs takedowns to win. I don't think that he can outstrike Albazi. And I have not seen reliable enough offensive wrestling and top game from Gordon to think that he can win this fight. I've liked what I've seen from Albazi, his defensive grappling, his own offensive grappling. I think that he could be the one hitting takedowns here if he really wanted to. And he's definitely going to be hitting that leg kick. He's probably going to be outboxing. Gordon and I think that there's a good chance we see a finish from Albazi here just because of how fragile Gordon looks so the pick for me is going to be Albazi by finish I think he could get it done by knockout or submission he also could win by decision and I think the only real way that Gordon wins is by decision by getting takedowns in top time and winning two out of three rounds I don't think a submission is very likely from him I just have not seen enough submissions or dominant top game from him so I'm pretty confident in Albazi in this one minus 165 it still has some value left if you want to get in on there as well I did bet Albazi at that price and I think he gets the finish here the next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Brett Johns taking on Montel Jackson. The opening betting line for this one was Jackson, the favorite, at minus 162, Johns plus 140. Right now, we are seeing Jackson minus 205 to Johns plus 188. There's definitely two-way action coming in on this fight. I know a lot of people betting Johns as an underdog, and I guess there are people still backing Jackson at minus 200 because the price stays going up and down. But I think that Johns is the clear value side in this one. I'm a bit concerned about the experience of Jackson. We all know that he's only been fighting MMA for about three or four years, but he's only had four fights in the UFC, and one fight he was taken down and out grappled by Ricky Simone. He had a nice uh, finish over Brian Kelleher, which is definitely his best win. And then he had two decision wins over Andre Sukumtat and Felipe Colares, where he looks good in those fights. He looked solid improving but neither of those guys are that great and i think that we've really haven't seen jackson tested too much against really good fighters uh kelleher is good but we just didn't get to see that fight play out long enough and i mean jackson did hurt him with the punch and submit him so he looked good though I'm a bit concerned about the lack of top control from Jackson. He's definitely a wrestler and attempted about 
20 takedowns in his last fight versus Kolaris, and he hit about 10 of those takedowns, but he did not really get any top time from those takedowns. Kolaris was pretty much bouncing right back up to his feet, and Jackson doesn't have a, a back take game. He doesn't have much of a submission game, and I think that he really lacks a top game. So he's going for all these takedowns using a ton of energy, but once he gets the opponents to the floor, he does not have great success out grappling them, and that's going to be even harder against a great defensive grappler and scrambler like Brett Johns. Brett Johns defensive grappling really impressed me versus Munoz and versus Aljamain Sterling. Even in his last fight against Gravely, his grappling looked solid. He His back takes were there. He was reverse in position. He did get taken down and stuck on his back for a few minutes, but he eventually works his way back up to the feet, reverses, ends up on top, goes for his own submission. So I really like Brett, Brett Johns as a grappler. And on the feet in this one, I think it's really even. I think Jackson has a slight advantage in the striking because he's so long and has a, a great frame for the weight class. And his striking has been improving. We saw him unleash a lot of punches versus Kolaris. Not the most technical stuff. It looks like his defense still is a bit untested, but his offense is getting better. He's definitely not scared of let his hands go and he has a, a good array of kicks and knees elbows that he throws too so Jackson's striking is no joke despite him being pretty inexperienced in the striking so I completely understand why Jackson is the favorite here he is the slightly better striker and slightly better grappler but I just don't think that you can be betting him at minus 200. I think he's just too unproven. And Brett Johns has a good enough stylistic matchup here where he could present a lot of problems for Jackson. I think it's relatively unknown who the better striker is here. I think either one could outstrike one another. And the same goes to the grappling. There's a lot up in the air about this fight. And I think that I favor Brett Johns to reverse position, to stand up, to drain out the energy from Jackson, uh, make Jackson work hard for these takedowns. And I really like the Brett Johns goes for back takes that's a, a huge factor in this fight because if he's able to reverse position like Kolaris was a few times uh, that back take on Jackson is going to be a huge tool Jackson a wrestler not too uh, familiar with the jiu-jitsu positions yet this early into his career and I think that we could see Johns potentially out grapple Jackson here so once again I agree with Jackson being the favorite I think that maybe minus 130 minus 150 range would be appropriate but where the line is at now I think it's clear dog or pass and I'm actually going to pick Brett Johns to reverse positions stuff takedowns land strikes in the feet and grind out a decision likely against the cage here versus Jackson I think that he could even get a submission if we see a back take or a front choke position of some sort so I like Brett Johns in this fight I think he'll fight for your money at plus 190 I got one unit on him at that price and I think there's still a lot of value left on plus 188 so the pick here is Johns by decision not the most confident pick because I, I do like Jackson. I think he's an improving fighter and we could see him edge out a decision here. But for that plus 190, I'm happy to pick Johns by decision. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Joel Alvarez taking on Joe Duffy. The opening betting line for this one was Duffy minus 305 to Alvarez plus 225. Right now we are seeing Duffy minus 330 to Alvarez plus 270. So... Honestly, I think this line is a bit crazy. I think that Joe Duffy, this much of a favorite after he's looked so mediocre in his past few fights, I, I don't think that there's any way you could trust Joe Duffy as a favorite here, especially at minus 300. I mean, Joel Alvarez is not a good fighter. I've been super unimpressed with what I've seen him from in the UFC. The most impressive thing he's done was not get finished by Demir Ismagulov. And I mean, he was taken down and pretty much dominated on the map versus uh, Danilo Beloardo in his last fight before he got 
a nice reversal in round two and just got a, a weird knockout. It was a crazy fight. I mean, he was getting completely dominated on the ground for six or seven minutes and then gets one reversal and then finishes his opponent with ground and pound. So I think that there's a lot unproven about Alvarez. We don't really know how good he is. Most of his regional wins were submissions off of his back. So I don't think Alvarez is much of a striker and he's pretty... Uh, He's pretty bad grappler too because he was getting out grappled by Bellowardo. So I, I do favor Duffy in this fight. I think minus two hundred or something like that would be would be appropriate. But Duffy only has two fights in the past three or four years. One fight he won round one versus James Vick was looking good, but started to slow down, get calf kicked a lot, and eventually outstruck and knocked out in round two. And then his fight versus Mark DeCasey last March was just an awful performance. It looked like Duffy quit a few minutes into this fight. It looked like he realized the fight wasn't going his way and just provided real little resistance throughout the rest of the fight. He was shooting weak takedowns. He was getting stuffed. He was getting outstruck, leg kicked a lot. He ended up getting taken down himself and stuck on his back. So Duffy looked awful in his last fight. It was against Dave Casey, who's a much better fighter than Alvarez. But I think that Alvarez at plus 300 is worth a small bet, maybe 0.25 units or a half a unit. I think that uh, the odds are wide enough to the point where even though Alvarez sucks, I think that a bet on him is warranted just because uh, the odds are wide. So I'm still going to pick Duffy by decision in this one. But I think that Alvarez is the value side. It's definitely a dog or pass. Avoid throwing Duffy in any parlays or anything like that. Maybe bet Duffy by decision if you want to. But I wouldn't bet I wouldn't bet this fight at all besides Alvarez money lines for very small. So the pick, once again, is Duffy by decision. The next fight is a 150-pound catchweight fight between Grant Dawson and Nad Naramani. The opening betting line for this one was... Dawson minus 260 to Naramani plus 220. We are now seeing Dawson minus 220 to Naramani plus 200. So there is two-way action coming in on this fight. I think the dog side in Naramani is a little more popular. And I agree with Naramani being the value side here. I think that Dawson is practically a one-dimensional fighter. His striking has looked very bad in his few UFC fights. It doesn't look like he's improving his striking at all, really. And I think that he pretty much only has takedowns in top game. And he is a very reliable wrestler. He shoots a lot of takedowns. He has a great top game. But he's fighting Nad Naramani, who is a good defensive grappler. Uh, stuffed some takedowns from Mike Grundy. Is not an easy guy to take down at all. Stuffed a lot of takedowns from Anderson Dos Santos. And I think that Naramani is clearly the better striker here. Naramani has some decent boxing. And just from what I've seen from Dawson's defense, especially in like the Trezano fight, he just does not react to punches well and kind of desperately shoots takedowns once he starts getting hit. So I don't think Dawson likes getting hit. I think that Naramani is the cleaner, better striker here and likely outstrikes and hurt Dawson when it, whenever it's on the feet. So in my opinion, Dawson needs takedowns to win here, and I do think that he shoots a lot of takedowns. I think that he's very reliable to shoot those takedowns, but I think Naramani's defensive grappling, his takedown defense could give him some problems. I think that there's a chance we see Naramani stuff takedowns, outstrike Dawson on the feet. He could win a decision by stuffing takedowns and outstriking Dawson for three rounds. He could possibly land a good punch and knock him out. This is not going to be an easy fight for Grant Dawson, and maybe I'm wrong about this one. Maybe he lands an early takedown and just dominates Naramani on the ground, and there's a huge grappling differential. 
but I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think that we likely see the striking exchanges won by Naramani, very close wrestling exchanges, and if it gets to the floor, I think that we might even see Naramani defend takedowns or defend uh, the grappling attempts, get back up to his feet, reverse position, and Dawson was taken down and out grappling Julian Arosa for multiple rounds, but was not able to get that submission. So I don't think it's guaranteed that Dawson gets an easy submission if he's able to get a takedown here. So I understand the, the dog action on Naramani here. I think he's definitely the rightful side. I'm still going to pick Grant Dawson to win by decision. I think that he likely just hits takedowns, has a lot of cage pushing time, and negates the damage that Naramani does on the feet by grappling. But I think that it's definitely dog or pass at these odds, and I would not knock a bet on Nad Naramani at plus 200. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Kadis Ibrahimov taking on Roman Dolidzi. The opening betting line for this one was Delidzi minus 170 to Ibrahimov plus 155. Right now we are seeing Delidzi minus 147 to Ibrahimov plus 137. So more action coming in on Ibrahimov. It's actually been late action. The line was sitting right around where it opened for the past few weeks. But the past 24 hours we've seen a lot of action come in on Kadis Ibrahimov. Personally, I don't get that late action. I think that Dolitzi is the clear favorite in this one. I would actually favor him probably up until minus 200. Both of these guys are pretty inexperienced, and I think that we know what to expect from both of them. From Dolitzi, you're going to be getting low output striking. He, he explodes with the occasional punch or two, doesn't really throw much volume on the feet, and typically looks to hit offensive takedowns and to outgrapple his opponents, but he has not really fought any decent uh, defensive grapplers. I think Souza was the uh, the best defensive grappler he fought. Souza was able to stuff some takedowns. Uh, he did get pushed against the cage, and Delidzi landed some nice clinch strikes, and Delidzi was eventually able to just keep pressuring and eventually land a, a nuke of a right hand that just completely knocked Souza out cold. I mean, Delidzi definitely has some massive power in his hands but he just doesn't throw his, his strikes that much and Delidzi's last fight was actually a spinning back fist knockout too so it's definitely proven that he has great power in his strikes and Ibrahimov I think lacks a lot of power in his strikes we know we know what to expect from Ibrahimov too he's done the same thing in both UFC fights he comes out looks for an early knockout swarms you with sloppy punch combinations and then gasses out that's what happened in both of his fights he did make it to the decision and didn't look completely helpless versus Ed Herman I think he actually might have won at round three versus Ed Herman but in the the Da Jung fight he looked helpless he was uh, struggling to even stay on his feet in round two and eventually got tapped out with a really weird guillotine in round three. One big concern about this fight is Delidzi has not fought in 18 months and he is coming off of a PED suspension. USADA did catch him for some form of PEDs about a year or two ago and this could be his first fight in MMA not on steroids so that's definitely a factor to look out for here. If I had to bet I, I would bet that he would still be on steroids. He probably just found a way around the USADA system but Delidzi is 6-0, and likely all six of those fights he was on steroids, he gets popped, and now he's fighting again. So there's a chance that he might look flat here, he might look terrible coming off the layoff, and that's why I think that you can't bet Delidzi at too much of a favorite. I wouldn't really bet Delidzi at all at this price, because even though I think he should be minus 200, I think that... He's going to have to withstand that early storm from Ibrahimov. He could easily get slept in the first 60 seconds by that crazy onslaught of punches from Ibrahimov. And the PED suspension and the layoff is a big concern. There's also a striking volume concern here from Delidzi. If the fight somehow ends up 
taking place at kickboxing range. I think that Dolizzi's volume is very low and he could possibly lose rounds by just being too inactive on the feet. So I obviously favor Dolizzi. I think he probably hits calf kicks. He outboxes uh, Ibrahimov, probably even hits takedowns and outgrapples him at points too. But in round one, they could just bang it out on the feet and it could be a coin flip when these crazy, those crazy exchanges that Ibrahimov loves to get into. So I would like to say dog or pass for this one because I'm not advising betting on the favorite, but I think that there's no value on Ibrahimov at plus 137 at all. If you want to bet Ibrahimov, probably do it by round one, round one knockout. This is a hard fight to bet because I think the the winner of the fight is unbettable and the loser of the fight has no value. So this is probably going to be a pass for me in terms of the money line, but the pick is going to be Dalidzi by decision. The next fight is the first fight on the main card in the flyweight division. We have Alexandre Pantoja taking on Askar Askarov. The opening betting line for this one was Pantoja minus 180 to Askarov plus 155. Right now we are seeing Pantoja minus 185 to Askarov plus 170. There is two-way action coming in on this fight. It's a great fight. I understand why. Super competitive. And I think it's probably dog or pass, honestly. And the reason why I th say that is because of the way that Pantoja looked in his last fight. And Pantoja has been a guy who's been notoriously durable, was eating some massive punches and elbows from Figueredo and just staying on his feet, kept moving forward. But in his last fight versus Matt Schnell, he looked a little bit chinny. He got rocked with some punches and, you know, did the stanky leg a little bit and definitely looked to not have his feet under him at certain points. So that was kind of an uncharacteristic game plan from Pantoja as well. He's always had good striking, really nice boxing, but he just came out of the, the gate and went right after Schnell, was throwing massive combinations and getting in wild pocket exchanges, and that's not really like him. I mean, the guy is usually a jabber, and he likes to go for takedowns and back takes. He's a tremendous grappler as well, but Pandosha fought a little uncharacteristic in his last fight. Now, getting over to Askarov, uh, much less UFC experience, but I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen from him. He did lose the fight to Marino, uh, although it was technically scored a draw. He definitely lost that fight, in my opinion. And Askarov looked pretty good in his last fight against Tim Elliott as well. He rocked Elliott in round one with a punch and was able to outgrapple him for the rest of that round. Had a closer round two. He got uh, taken down with some judo throws in the clinch and spent some time on his back, but came back in round three and outstruck Elliott. But Elliott wasn't really throwing much volume back at Askarov throughout that fight, and it wasn't the greatest win from Askarov. On the feet in this one, I think that Pantoja is the much more technical striker and probably has the more power too, but I think that Askarov has some sneaky striking of his own and could give Pantoja some problems on the feet, especially with how lackadaisical Pantoja's defense looked last fight. And in the grappling aspect of things, I think that Askarov is the much more likely one to hit takedowns here and to attempt them. Pantoja's takedown defense and defensive grappling should be good enough to avoid getting taken down and outgrappled here. Marino had a lot of success defending the takedowns of Askarov and was able to avoid the takedowns and land the better strikes in the feet to win that fight. So I think that that's a pretty similar game plan from what Pantoja needs to do here. He needs to stuff takedowns, land the more meaningful strikes, and likely outstrike Askarov here. I don't think that we'll see either of them outgrapple each other. They're both tremendous grapplers and would be, would be pretty shocked to see them outgrapple each other although they are both uh, prolific back takers they love going for those rear naked chokes so we might see a back take and a crazy scramble or transition or something so look out for that 
I do think the fight is dog or pass at this point. I think with the way that Pantojo looked in his last fight, you just can't be trusting him at minus 200 against another solid, well-rounded flyweight like Askar Askarov. And in terms of a bet for this fight, I've looked at the props, and if you have access to this prop, the fight ends by knockout props. It could either end by knockout, submission, or decision. Fight ends by knockout was plus 370 when I bet it for a half a unit. And I think that... The reasoning behind that bet is the way that Pantoja came out aggressive in round one versus Schnell didn't seem to have the best boxing defense himself in those exchanges. I haven't been too impressed with Askar Askarov's boxing defense either. And Askar Askarov did drop Tim Elliott in round one of their fight. So I think that there's power on both ends here. I think both of their boxing defenses are a little lackadaisical. And we could see them just swing it out and possibly knock each other out here. So I'm playing fight ends by knockout plus 370 for half a unit. In terms of the money line here, I think it's dog or pass. I have not locked in any action on Askarov here because I ultimately do think Pantoja wins the fight. Um, even though I'm betting fight ends by knockout, I honestly do think the fight goes to the decision and we likely see Pantoja land the more meaningful strikes, maybe get some dominant positions on the ground and win a decision here. So dogger pass, there's some small value on Askar Askarov and the official prediction is going to be Pantoja by decision. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Ariane Lipsky taking on Luana Carolina. The opening betting line for this one was Lipsky minus 125, Carolina minus 105. Right now we are seeing Lipsky minus 112 to Carolina plus 102. So two-way action coming in on this fight. People are betting both sides. This is a really low-level fight. I, I understand throwing some fun money on this one, maybe one unit on either side. But if you're seriously betting this fight with multiple units and you have extreme confidence in one of these ladies, I'm telling you, you're doing it wrong because we have three UFC cards this week. That means we have about 35 different fights taking place throughout the week. There are so many more better fighters and better matchups to be betting on than this low-level women's fight. And I just think that if you're betting a lot of money, multiple units on this fight, you're just approaching MMA betting with our bad strategy that's not good for long term so even if one of these women wins convincingly wins by first round finish or something like that I don't think it's a great bet uh, at a high clip over time so getting down to breaking down the fight Carolina I think has the more proven striker because we've seen her strike for 15 minutes uh, in her last fight versus Cachoeira. Cachoeira is a terrible opponent with no defense so Carolina did look pretty good teeing off on her but I think if Lipsky fought her she would look the same. I think we haven't seen Lipsky's striking look that good in the UFC. In her pre-UFC fight she was like knocking chicks out with head kicks but that just hasn't really came to fruition in the UFC. She did get an early knockdown over DePauda in her last fight but that fight versus DePauda was a very concerning fight because Lipsky was largely winning that fight by a wide margin but still managed to look really bad at certain points like she dropped DePauda in round one was on top for half the round then got reversed and spent half the round on her back she spent two and a half minutes on her back didn't really seem to have much ability to get up at all then she hits a takedown in round two, or actually she reversed the takedown in round two, and was on top for about four and a half minutes. But then she gives up her arm in a weird grappling exchange and almost gets armbarred at the end of round two. Then round three starts and she gets double-legged and stuck on her back for about two and a half minutes. And then she eventually used a, a nice half-guard sweep to end up on top, but that was versus a gas to powder in round three. So Lipsky spent about five minutes on her back versus a, a really, really low-level fighter into powder. 
And I just think that was a terrible sign for Lipsky because that means that she could get a kick caught and put on her back and might not get up. She could get a weak takedown or a clinch takedown of some sort, fall on her back and not get up. And you just can't be betting a lot of money on a fighter who has almost no ability to get off of her back. We haven't really seen the Carolina's defensive grappling tested too much. She did stuff some takedowns uh, versus Lima on the contender series. But I think the Carolina's grappling looked pretty bad too versus Cachoeira. She went from for some questionable submissions and she was going for triangles and arm bars off of her back. But I don't think the Carolina is a very positionally sound grappler at all. So I think this one predominantly plays out on the feet. We're going to see some even striking exchanges between the two. I think Lipsky has a technique and power advantage while Carolina has a volume advantage. So I think Lipsky is going to be landing the cleaner, harder strikes while Carolina is just going to be throwing out a lot of volume and if carolina wants to win this fight i think that she's going to need to mix in the clinch where she can land those knees and elbows use her longer frame to outstrike lipsky and possibly look to exploit that terrible takedown defense and get up of lipsky as well maybe even look to hit her own takedown or catch a kick and put lipsky on her back so I was initially leaning Lipsky pre-tape here, but with how bad that she looked versus DePauda and the fact that she could get a kick caught or a weak takedown and lose the fight completely, I think that it's dog or pass. I think that there's really not much value on either line here. Uh, I think that if you want to throw one unit on either side, you know, pick your side, uh, but do not go crazy betting on this fight. It's a super low-level, high-variance fight, and the official pick is probably going to be Lipsky by decision. As I mentioned, I think she lands the cleaner, harder strikes throughout the 15 minutes. But it's not a confident pick at all, and I would not bet on this fight very heavily. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Mark Diacasey taking on Rafael Fiziev. The opening betting line for this one was Diacasey, the favorite, at minus 232, Fiziev plus 195. Right now, we are seeing Mark Diacasey minus 147 to Fiziev plus 137. So line margins tightening up. A lot more action coming in on Fiziev as the dog. I agree with that action. I think that especially at plus 195, Fizia was a tremendous bet if anybody got in on that. You got a lot of value. And even at plus 137, I think that there's still some value left on Fiziev. Now, Dia Casey was on a three-fight losing streak, not looking too good, going up and down between weight classes, but then eventually got back on track, beating Joe Duffy and beating Lando Venata. But you got to look at those two wins very closely because I mentioned the Duffy fight earlier in the podcast. Duffy looked to give up very early in that fight and provided very little resistance throughout that at all. Barely threw any strikes, couldn't stop takedowns, couldn't get off his back. And then versus Lando Venata, Venata is not a pressure fighter. It's a, he's a guy who wants to stay at range and throw kicks at you. Does not have the best fight IQ at times. Definitely doesn't have the best round winning style. And Dick Casey was able to outstrike him, but he was able to move forward and outstrike him so when dia casey is pressuring and he's the one leading and controlling the action he's a good striker he's got great calf kicks decent boxing even ability to hit offensive takedowns but when you put dia casey on the back foot is when he really struggles that's how nasrat hackbrass was able to outstrike him uh, a few of uh, other opponents have been able to do the same and i think that that's what fiziev does really well 
This is a really close striking match between the two. I think I give Dita Casey a kicking advantage. She's the better overall kicker, but I think Fiziev is the better boxer and has better punches. So we're going to see Dita Casey to look to keep the range, move backwards, use his jab and his front kick and his length, while Fiziev is going to look to get into the pocket, land punches, uh, chop down the legs of Dita Casey. And I think that the leg kick is a huge tool for Fiziev here because Dita Casey has not done well stuffing or uh, checking leg kicks throughout his career. And I think that if you were able to limit D. Casey's movement and you get him moving backwards, I think it would be actually pretty easy for Fiziev to outstrike him here. So I think that where the line is at now, there is value on Fiziev and I've seen good enough takedown defense from Rafael Fiziev to think that he stuffed D. Casey's takedowns. Uh, I think Fiziev stuffed 11 of 11 takedowns versus Alex White in his last fight. White not the greatest grappler, but it was still impressive to see that Fiziev is constantly improving his takedown defense considering he comes from a kickboxing Muay Thai background so i give fiziev a striking advantage in this one actually because i think he's going to be the one pressuring he's going to be marching forward more throwing leg kicks landing the better punches while dia casey is going to have to fight off the back foot which he's not very good at so maybe fiziev doesn't pressure doesn't implement the right game plan and, and loses a striking fight here but i think what i've seen from fiziev he's aggressive enough where i think he's we can trust him to come forward throw leg kicks land punches stuff takedowns and probably land some good clinch strikes too i think he's probably the better clinch striker considering he comes from a more tie background and i've seen some good knees and elbows in the clinch from him as well so i'm gonna favor and pick fiziev in this one i think that he wins this fight by decision or knockout and i'm actually pretty confident in fiziev here so it's dogger pass all day i think the fiziev is worth a bet at plus 137 i have one unit on him at plus 140 and i wouldn't actually mind going two three units on fiziev here because i'm very confident in fiziev and Dia Casey being the favorite here is kind of inflated based on his past two wins, which I think were just very good matchups for him. And I do not think that Fiziev is going to be nearly as easy of in a matchup. So the pick here is going to be Fiziev by decision, and I will be betting him at plus 140. The next fight is the co-main event of the evening in the middleweight division. We have Jack Hermanson taking on Kelvin Gastelum. The opening betting line for this one was Gastelum minus 150 to Hermanson plus 130. Right now we are seeing a pick em at minus 105 for both fighters. So there is two-way action coming in on this fight. Definitely more action on the dog Hermanson considering Gastelum opened minus 150. He's now minus 105. It goes without say that more action came in on Hermanson. But there's two-way action coming in on this fight. Hermanson was jumping up to plus 100, back down to a favorite. So a lot of action coming in on this fight. And where the betting line is at now, I think it's clear that Jack Hermanson is the value side. I mean, we have a guy who is the much more active guy. He attempts takedowns, goes for submissions, is a pretty active striker on the feet. And then you have Kelvin Gastelum, who is a low output counter striker, who doesn't really lead that much, attempts an occasional takedown, doesn't have the greatest takedown defense. I mean, I actually don't like Kelvin Gastelum at all. I think he's one of the most disliked fighters on the UFC roster. And it's it's honestly very warranted just because of how low level his skill is. Most of his wins have come over past prime heavyweights, I think, or middleweights. I think I saw a statistic that said that Kelvin Gastelum has never knocked out an opponent that was less than 10 years older than him. So all of his knockouts, Bisping, Kennedy, Vitor, they're all over old past prime fighters. So I think that Kelvin Gastelum as a fighter has been massively overrated throughout his career. And in his last fight versus Darren Till, he looked 
awful. I mean, he barely threw anything. He landed like 30 strikes throughout the fight, was scared to pull the trigger, was getting outstruck in the clinch, pushed against the cage. I mean, it was just a terrible performance from Gastelum. And Hermanson actually had a pretty bad performance from him in his last fight too. He fought Jared Cannonier. He was shooting some pretty bad takedowns, getting his takedown stuff, getting outstruck, leg kicked, and eventually got rocked with an uppercut and TKO'd about five or six minutes into that fight. So Hermanson was definitely trying to grapple in that fight versus Cannonier. Cannonier has a great base, great takedown defense, punished him with hard strikes, and was able to TKO him. Now getting down to how these two match up, I think that Hermanson is pretty reliable to come forward, throw volume, and to likely attempt takedowns. He has attempted a lot of takedowns in his most recent fights, and with the takedown defense that I've seen from Kelvin Gastelum, he got taken down by Chris Weidman fairly easily. He got taken down by Jacare Souza with a single leg. So I'm pretty confident in the fact that Hermanson will attempt and hit takedowns here versus Kelvin. Now, he doesn't have the greatest top control. He's really at his best when he's throwing ground a pound, but he tends to go for some risky submissions. He loves that arm and guillotine, that head and arm guillotine that he goes for on a lot of his opponents. And that's not the most reliable submission because if it does not work, then you end up on your back, which is not what you really want in MMA. But... I think that there will be enough of a grappling differential here that we won't really have to be worried about uh, Hermansi getting stuck on his back. I don't think that that's very likely at all. If he fails a, a guillotine or something like that, he probably works his way back up to the feet immediately. I really think that there is one way for Kelvin Gaslam to win this fight, and that is by knockout. I don't think that he has the volume to win a decision. Maybe he lands knockdowns in multiple rounds and steals two out of three rounds and beats uh, Hermansi via decision. It's certainly unlikely to see Gastelum submit uh, Hermanson here, so I really do think that the only way Kelvin Gastelum wins is by knockout, and he's also going to have to stuff takedowns and get off of his back to win by knockout too, because Hermanson almost immediately attempts takedowns in all of his fights, so we're going to either have to see uh, Gastelum counter and try to hurt Hermanson with, right away within the first 30 seconds, or I think he's probably going to be in for a long night, gets taken down, outgrappled, and likely submitted at some point too, so... So at this betting line right now, I think that there is a lot of value on Jack Hermanson. I think that I would actually start to favor Hermanson at more of minus 150. I think he has just so many more ways to win the fight. He could win by ground and pound TKO. He could win by submission. And he could win by decision as well. I don't think it's very likely that we see Hermanson outstrike Gaslam on the feet. But with how bad Kelvin looked in his last fight and with how scared he looked to throw punches and how low volume he was, it wouldn't completely surprise me to see Hermanson just leg kick and throw a ton of jabs and somehow outstrike Kelvin Gastelum at distance here. So I favor uh, Hermanson closer to minus 150, minus 200 range even. I think that I bet him for two units at plus 100. Even at minus 105, I think there's a lot of value on Hermanson left. Uh, also, the plus 600 submission prop has some value too. So the official prediction for me is going to be Hermanson by decision. I think he gets those early takedowns, probably wears on Gastelum with his top game, and eventually gets a submission, uh, maybe even a TKO too. So the pick is Hermanson by finish. In the main event of the evening for the vacant UFC flyweight championship, we have Davison Figueredo taking on Joseph Benavidez. The opening betting line for this one was Figueredo minus 152, Benavidez plus 130. Right now we are seeing Figueredo minus 215 to Benavidez plus 195 so this is of course the rematch from the fight this February it was only about four or five months ago February 29th 2020 is when the first fight took place 
And to put it in some perspective here, the first fight opened as Benavidez as a minus 165 favorite to Figueroa plus 135, and ended up closing at Benavidez minus 160, Figueroa plus 140. Now, Figueroa has gone from the underdog to the pretty sizable favorite at minus 215. He, of course, won the first fight by second round knockout. But I think that when you look at how the first fight went, how close of a fight it was, I think that where the current line is at is actually wide. I think that people are maybe seeing that Figueroa won the first fight and thinking he'll easily win this fight too, but that first fight was very close. A lot of people aren't remembering that because Figueroa won by knockout and people think it's a convincing definitive outcome, but I do not think that that's the case. I think round one was very close. I actually gave the round to Joe Benavidez despite Figueroa landing some big punches and having a close armbar attempt. And then in round two, of course, the headbutt happened. Joe B got a little distracted, started touching the cut, and next thing you know, Figueroa lands a massive right hand, knocks Joe B down, and finishes up with some ground and pound for a TKO in round two. So it was a nasty knockout, devastating punch that he landed, but it was definitely influenced by the headbutt. And if you look at that fight without the headbutt, you know, how does the fight go? I think that Joe Benavidez was winning the majority of the striking exchanges. He was landing big punches on Figueroa, but his punches seem to have very little effect on Figueroa. Figueroa is so durable that even these big counter hooks that were winging from Joe Benavidez's hip just weren't hurting him, which is a huge concern because if you're Joe Benavidez and you're landing these flush punches, these hooks and big combinations, and Figueroa isn't taking a step backwards, I mean, you're, you realize that you're fighting an insanely durable human being. And I think that Figueroa is just could be too durable to even get hurt by Joe Benavidez's strikes. It honestly looked like he was taking punches from a, a fighter, a weight class below him when they were fighting the first time. So getting down to the rematch, it's really on Joe Benavidez to adapt because he's the much more versatile fighter. He's the one who can incorporate more kicks or more offensive wrestling or a different style, while Figueroa is pretty much going to fight the same style because it worked for him the first time. He's a, a low-volume counter-puncher who swings massive power punches, and that worked out very well for him. He was cutting off the cage, wasn't throwing much volume, just keeping an eye on, on his defense and counter-punching and landing hard strikes versus Joe B. But if we're being honest, the headbutt massively influenced the outcome of that fight. If the headbutt hadn't happened, Figueroa probably wouldn't have landed that right hand. I mean, the fight might have kept going and he might have eventually counterstruck him and landed that knockout blow. But you have to acknowledge that the headbutt had a massive influence on the official outcome of the fight. And if the headbutt hadn't happened, we might have seen Joe B taken in the later rounds where he likely has the better cardio and outstrike, possibly win the decision, get a late finish. So the fight could have happened a, a lot of different ways. And I'm actually kind of glad we're getting to see a rematch, even though I'm very scared as a fan of Joe Benavidez, I think that there's a great chance that he gets knocked dead again. And I mean, the first fight was only about five or six months ago, and I don't know if he's fully recovered from the massive amount of damage he took from that finish. So it is Joseph Benavidez's responsibility to adapt to the second fight. We know that Figueroa is likely going to come in with the same game plan, the same style, and it's going to be on Joe B to switch up his game plan to maybe incorporate more kicks, to maybe avoid getting in pocket exchanges, to maybe look to offensive wrestle more. But to be honest, from the way that Figueroa stuffed Benavidez's takedowns in the first fight, I don't think that Benavidez has much success taking him down. And we've only seen Figueroa outgrappled by two people, uh, Jared Brooks and Juicier Formiga. And I just don't think that we can really rely on Benavidez hitting takedowns and getting top position because... 
Fig's defensive grappling is constantly improving. He got outgrappled by Formiga, looked to work on that defensive grappling, his get-ups, his takedown defense a lot. And then in his next fight versus Pantoja, he showed massive defensive grappling improvements. So I think that Figueroa's takedown defense, his defensive grappling has improved to the point where we can rely on him to stuff takedowns, which means the fight is going to be taking place in the striking. And there you just have to favor Figueroa. I just can't see any way that Benavidez fights where he isn't at risk for getting counterpunched and getting hit with massive punches from Fig. No way that Benavidez has fought in the past few years has been safe. He constantly dips his head in. He doesn't have the best defense of his own. And I just don't think that that style is very good for him late into his career. I think that especially it's not good when you're fighting one of the most devastating counterpunches that has ever fought in the UFC in Figueredo. So Sadly, I'm going to be picking Figueroa in this one. I think that the fight lasts a little bit longer than it did the last time. It probably goes in around three or four before Figueroa gets the finish. And in terms of a bet in this one, the money lines have not much value to me. I do think there is small value on Benavidez at this plus 180, 190 price. I just think that the way the first fight went, it was close enough to where Benavidez could realistically adapt, make this fight different, and win the fight, get his uh, flyweight championship. But as a Joe Benavidez fan, I do actually don't have much hope. I'm, you know, could be preparing for the worst here, but I do think that uh, Benavidez gets knocked out again here. So, in terms of a bet in this one, I think that the inside the distance, the fight does not go the decision at minus 200 is still value because Benavidez fights in such an aggressive way that he likely either gets an early finish or gets finished himself. So. The money line aspect of things, it's dog or pass. There is some small value on Benavidez, but in terms of a pure pick, I'm going to have to go with Davis and Figueredo to win the flyweight championship by knockout in round three. So that is going to do it for this episode of the Martian MMA Podcast. Thank you all for listening throughout this uh, this busy UFC week, three UFCs in one week. That means three podcasts in one week. So if you've listened to all three, I tremendously appreciate you. And we will be back next week before the next UFC event, uh, which I believe is Till versus Whitaker. So I will recap my final bets on my Bet MMA Tips page. That's where you can find all of my official bets for the evening. And that is going to do it for the podcast. So I hope you all enjoyed. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you next week. Peace.